the funding is so limited, like the whole thing in our home goes to Orten Gillingham. It's a kind of therapy, but for Vala, it benefits him a lot for his comprehension and reading and learning. So it helped him a lot, but it's like $85 per session and he goes twice a week. So that's done. Primarily that $6,000 goes to the social skills groups that he attends. We are also in the process right now of just doing an intake with a child and family psychologist. So he is going to start to do some individual therapy as well. But again, it's $250 an hour. It doesn't go that far. You know, we're looking at a fairly limited amount of sessions. But then the social group at Able Clinic and like music therapy, they are all things that we have to pay. So we can't do anything like we have to even think about, okay, should we go out for dinner? So there is a problem here. I am. It affects us a lot. We struggle. It's not enough if you're doing a lot of different therapies, but I feel very lucky. I had friends who went through the same thing but in the states and they were in in LA and they had to pay for everything out of their own pocket and it was really expensive they had to take their kids to all these private places to get their diagnosis and and then to get therapy and they didn't get any support and it was hugely expensive for them money pressure it's something that nearly every family faces but when you're raising a child with autism it adds a whole other layer of complexity hi I'm Katie Bennison, and this is Life on the Spectrum, the Autism Family Podcast. There are a lot of great therapies and services out there to help kids with autism grow, develop, and overcome challenges. There are behavioral experts, speech therapists, psychologists, occupational therapists, social groups, summer camps, speech generating devices, sensory equipment, the list is endless. But ask any family, and they will tell you These options are expensive. Government funding is helpful. In British Columbia, families get $22,000 a year until their child turns six from the autism funding unit. From six to 18 years old, you get $6,000 a year. But most of the time, the funding doesn't go far enough to cover the basic costs of therapy, let alone any extras. So today, on the podcast, we're talking about money and how families can balance their finances so they can get the therapies they need and still go out for dinner once in a while. To get some advice, I met with Frank Danielson. You've heard from Frank before. He's part of our Autism Parents Roundtable, a panel of parents we check in with every episode. He's a senior financial planner at Asante Wealth Management, where he helps families build, preserve, and manage their money. He's also the father of a teen with autism. So I started by asking Frank, what are some expenses that a family living with autism can expect? I think there's the components that are on the therapy sort of side of things, and then there's things that are are not on the therapy. Uh, So with respect to the therapy side of things, it can be anything from uh, behavioral interventionists, OT, speech therapists. There's kind of a wide range of things that families can fit in in, uh, that $22,000 per year if they're under age six. And there's all the other things that don't fit in there, like, could we please have somebody clean the house? Could we please have things that just give us our sanity because we are spending so much of our time and so much of our energy just sort of trying to take care of our family and our son or daughter on the spectrum? 
Exactly. And some of those things aren't necessarily covered by the funding from the AFU, the Autism Funding Unit. Um, But because it can be really expensive, I know from my own experience with uh, my daughter who now gets 6,000 versus 22,000. And even though I'm very grateful, it, it, you know, adds up and gets spent very quickly. Why don't we talk about RDSPs? Can you first explain what they are and why you think parents of kids with autism should think about getting one? First of all, uh, an RDSP is a registered disability savings plan to help families specifically with prolonged and sustainable disabilities to help them save money for their future as adults. So depending upon your income level, there's a threshold. And if your income is above 95000 as a family, then you get a matching dollar for dollar up to $1,000. If your family income is below a threshold, and I think it's around 50000 there's various tiers where you can get additional dollars up to various ranges per year to a maximum of $70,000 over the lifetime of the child up to age 49 years old. So when, I guess, should they start contributing to an RDSP and why? I think it's very important for families that have kids on the spectrum or any disability because it's free money. And the sooner you start, the sooner the money can start compounding for the future of your child. And if it is a later diagnosis and you're age four or five, you can go all the way back to age zero. So say, for example, your child is five and you're diagnosed and you contribute $5,000 Depending upon your income level, the Canadian government could put up to another eighteen dollars or $20,000 depending upon your income level. So if you do that over 5, 6, 10, 12 years, it can add up to hundreds of thousands of dollars, which can have a huge impact in the lives of families or kids as they get older, paying for additional expenses. What do you think is a reasonable amount of someone's income to aim for as a contribution monthly to an RDSP? In my opinion... If you have a dollar matching, and if you are in a lower threshold of income, and you're in that area where if you put in a dollar and the government puts in $3, you should maximize every single dollar you possibly can. So to the extent families have some funding or even minimal fundings, I think they should try and maximize these contribution dollars and create that sort of forced savings program for their child uh, when they're older. And when do you think that people should start contributing? I think people should start contributing uh, once they've kind of got over the shock of the diagnosis because a registered disability savings plan requires a sign-off by your doctor or someone that can uh, identify that this is a sustainable and prolonged developmental disability. And once that's done, you should get it set up right away. So you can contact your financial institution, you can contact your financial advisor to get more information and to learn more about the pros and cons. So there are some families of kids with autism, and they face a considerable drop in funding after their child turns six, because the share that they get in BC is 22 grand a year while their child is young. But once they cross that age of six, that amount of funding drops considerably. $6,000 a year is a big difference. How do you recommend families deal with that offset, sudden loss of funding, because it's a huge drop in income that people rely upon for therapy? Yes, I think it's a very difficult, um, hard knock. It's like losing a paycheck. And in situations like that, there's only a few levers that you can push and pull. You can try and add additional income to your family if you have any spare time, which is probably hard to do. 
the other side is you can take a sober look at all your expenses. So do you have an idea on where all your money does go every month, all the money that does come in? I think it forces families to make some really hard choices. Is this something where we do a family trip this year? Is it something where we can not update our vehicle that's 15 years old and we're putting a lot of money into? Are there other services we can get in the community that are for free that we're not aware of? Or can we work together with other families and kind of create little cohorts or areas of specialization where we can support each other? So I think it requires a lot of creativity. It requires a lot of courage. And at the same time, you also have to try, if you can, find some money to set aside for your future and your family and the things that are important for you as well. Frank Danielson is a senior financial planner at Asante Wealth Management. In a moment, he's going to give us a few financial tips and tricks to help families balance a budget that includes autism. He'll also share some of the tech tools he uses to stay on track and on budget. But first, here are a few more parents talking about the things they worry about when it comes to money and life on the spectrum. Just because you get the diagnosis, the government's not then sending you a check every year. You have to have the receipts and everything. You have to kind of pay for it up front and then they reimburse you. So that's something to be aware of, I think. I love him very much, but I don't want him to live with me forever. So I would really like it if at some point in his future he was able to get a job and move out. Sometimes I look at him and I'm like, you're okay, you can do it, you will move out, you'll have a job, you will manage yourself. And some days I'm like, no, that will never happen. We live in a really expensive city where it's very difficult for even quote unquote normal kids to move out and get their own place without living with 100 roommates because rent is just really, really expensive in this city. And my big fear in life is that what happens when I'm not living, like I am gone. So I think about that a lot. Those are a few more thoughts from our Autism Parents Roundtable. This is Life on the Spectrum, the Autism Family Podcast. I'm Katie Bennison, your host. I'm also the mom of a teenager with autism and an education assistant. And today we're talking about the financial challenges of autism. If you like what you're hearing, please like, subscribe, and share us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And for more content, check out our website, lifeonthespectrumpodcast.com. You'll also find links to some of the financial resources we're talking about today. That brings me back to our discussion with financial planner Frank Danielson. Earlier, we talked about the expenses that families living with autism face— We also talked about government funding and the importance of RDSPs, or Registered Disability Savings Plans. Of course, saving can be hard, especially when you're facing all kinds of extra expenses, not to mention that sudden drop in funding at age six from $22,000 a year to $6,000. So what are some of Frank's financial tips? I think there's two or three tips I'd recommend for families. First of all, start right away. Don't wait until the last minute and you see your paycheck six months later being reduced. So you want to get in front of this. You want to take inventory of all your income, your expenses, the things that are really, really important. And it's going to lead to some very difficult conversations. 
because in my experience with families, you will have both spouses that have similar values, but also very different values. One spouse might want to put an additional ten, twelve, fifteen thousand dollars into an additional therapy that was not being covered before. And another spouse might want to put that into their RRSP or they might want to have a trip or something else. So I think this really, you know, I would recommend that people sit down with a professional and probably someone that they pay um, by the hour that does not manage assets, that really provides objective advice to help you build these very important skills that we're not taught in school and we don't get as we're older. And I think what it also does is it provides objectivity and independence. So if you can find a fee-for-service financial planner that charges by the hour to work through a lot of these things, I think it will make life so much easier. You know, you're very busy, busy financial advisor and a dad who looks after the family budget, including managing Dylan's autism funding. How do you use technology to help you track or plan your family's financial future? Is there an app or something that you find helpful? Good question, Katie. Uh, I have a couple that have been extraordinarily helpful for me. Uh, One's called Evernote, and I call it my virtual memory. It is a cloud-based software program that allows me to store all my documents, receipts, video recordings, anything you can think about, recipes, ideas, and it will source just by a word link. So if I put in autism funding 1998, it'll pull up the record. Or if I pull up Sony TV Vega, it'll pull up the receipt. So I literally have 15 or 20,000 pieces of information in there that I can find at a moment's notice. So all of Dylan's reports, assessments at any point in time where I don't have to worry about which folder it's in, where it's stored, how it's stored. You just take a picture of it and you put it in. If you have something like an email, you directly forward the email to your Evernote application. So there's a link and in the link in the subject line, you put what it's about and it will auto categorize it for you. It's like having a second brain. It's a virtual memory. So, so there's another um, app called Trello and for families that have a lot of things going on, it's a list based visual board system that allows people to track and collaborate back between professionals, uh, create chats, store all your documents, prioritize things, put all your to-dos, task management, all in a visual board, and I'm a visual learner. So it's just an incredible way for me to organize my life, to bring other professionals that are in our life into certain parts of our life so everybody sees the whole picture. It's been a lifesaver. Yeah, those are really great tips. In terms of budgeting, like if you wanted to do a budget, is there a a favorite app that you have? You know, when you're saying to people, don't wait until it's their sixth birthday and you're like, "Uh uh-oh, what would you say when they're four? I would say even if listeners do not have a diagnosis for someone, this is an app that would work for everyone. So uh, Mint is a cloud-based service from Quicken originally that auto-categorizes all your expenses. So once you've memorized all your transactions, it'll show you where all your money goes, where all your income is, and provide visual dashboard reports that you can look at whenever you want. And it literally takes five to 10 minutes a month, and you have all this information on your phone, on your computer, or wherever you're at. So one final question is, do you have any tips for parents on how to tuck money away for a vacation or respite? I think I only have one tip, 
And the tip is you have to set a fixed dollar amount into some type of automatic savings account where it just gets taken out every month. If you do not, you'll be like every person. $100 comes in in the month, $100 goes out. So if you don't sort of set it and forget it and put in a different type of account, like a high interest savings account or a money market mutual fund at your bank, and you could set up multiple ones of these. So you could have one for a trip fund. You can have ones for your long-term savings like RSPs. You can have one for, I'll call it a sabbatical or a respite trip or whatever you want to do. And you just put money into these specific accounts. So it could be $50 a month into account A, $100 a month into account B, $200 a month in account C. So now you have $300. At the end of the year, you have $3,600. If you did not do that automatically at the end of the year, unless you're one of the 5% of people that are disciplined and you are part of the 95% like myself, you won't have the money. So let's do a, um, a family living with autism, one kid on the spectrum, both parents full-time working, what percentage of their salaries would you say would be a smart amount to tuck away? It depends on every family and their circumstances, and it's about starting small. So if you start with 5% and you see how that goes for three or four months, and if you don't notice it, you can just gradually increase it. It's about setting up small wins of success. It's not about beating yourself up and trying to do a goal that's just so hard to implement that you feel like a failure. So I think if you just start with 5% or 250 a month or if $100 a month is your number, and then just every year you reset that. And then I would recommend that if you can set up in different accounts and different amounts, you can set those up for specific goals. So one might be for your long-term savings for RSP. One might be for a vacation. One might be when shit happens, you've got some money there and the car breaks down and it costs $2,700 to fix. You've actually got it in an account versus going to your credit card, which charges 19% interest. And if I were to add one thing, it might be money is a very difficult subject for most families. In my years of experience, you have a wide range of values and everybody has their own relationship with money, their own identity with money, whether they're scarcity, whether they're a spender. So depending upon your DNA and relationship with money, uh, that can cause a lot of stress on families. So when you add a diagnosis or you add a child on the spectrum and you have different values, it's really important to be kind to each other and just sort of sit down and listen and not judge each other around this or that. So I think this is a, a time to really, when you're talking about money, is to really just be kind to each other and really be open-minded to the extent you can and you know, really try and work on this together uh, and have a coordinated approach. Very wise words from Frank Danielson. He's a senior financial planner at Asante Wealth Management. We hope you're enjoying our podcast. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give us a review. And please share with your friends so you can help us reach more people. Our website is lifeonthespectrumpodcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook. In our next episode, we're looking at those tricky teen years. Speaking of teenagers, we're going to leave you with a few words from our Autism Teen Roundtable. For the record, we asked how they would spend their autism funding money if they got to choose. I would spend it on a car. 
I would get a fancy Cadillac. We get a boat and we'd also buy a cabin to go with the boat, of course, because we don't live right by the ocean and I'm not sure how, where we'd put the boat. I would go to a concert live at Rogers Arena, an Ariana Grande one. A huge computer. Uh, and it would be like one of those like huge ones, not just the puny little laptop, you know? I might use it to travel places. Um, or, like uh, Thomas was saying, maybe like go to an Ariana Grande concert, yeah. Some teens from our Autism Roundtable talking about what they would spend their autism funding on if it was up to them. It sure sounds like Ariana Grande is going to clean up. On that note, however you plan to spend your funding money, I hope you found this episode useful and got some ideas that will help make things a bit easier for you and your family. Until next time, I'm Katie Benison. This is Life on the Spectrum. Thanks for listening.